Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, hi. You are back once again with the Genegade Master. Another week and another no straight answers. The LGBT Plus podcast where I speak to members of the community about things that are on their mind and anything they want to talk about, really. In previous episodes of this podcast, I have stated that I am a cis queer woman. A bit of an update. Turns out talking to a lot of queer people does make you self-reflect a bit more. So I'm currently going by she, they pronouns. Um, Don't worry if you call me she or whatever at the moment that's still a fine thing i think i just got to the point where like i think our definition of what a woman is is a bit outdated and i don't always feel like one man i feel like a woman but only sometimes shania knew these podcasts are recorded live on twitch.tv slash master if if everything goes to plan there is a very exciting one being recorded on tuesday if you want to know who that is Get yourself on my Twitter, which is twitter.com slash Mastery. Because Jennigay Master was taken by someone who hasn't tweeted since 2014. Anyway, this week we speak to Welsh comedian Chris Rio and Musical Comedy Awards finalist, uh, fellow ukulele player, somebody I met on the circuit in Cardiff. Really, really lovely guy. I sheltered him in my house. 
for a week and a half fairly recently while he was moving home. That's how seriously I take this podcast. If you need to stay in my house, you can. (laughs) Oh, also, neither of us actually got through to the next round of So You Think You're Funny. So enjoy our discussion on that when you get to it. There's a reason I say that, I'm just saying. I usually mention this at the end, and I will again, um, but this is so unusual, I thought I would flag it here. When I asked Chris how people could find him, as I usually would do on a podcast, he has asked that you email him, which is a request so confusing, I don't know what to do with it. But if you want to email Chris, his details will be in the description. And also, he's going to mention it a bit later on. This week's a weird one with a very, very nice man. Enjoy. So, hello Hooray. to Chris Rio. Yay! I said hi to myself, but yeah. Hi, hi, Chris. Hi. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? No, no. <laughs> no Can you do hi. it anyway? <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, um... Hi, I'm a comedian and a play worker. Those are my two main things. And I, uh, I've got a, quite a large wash on at the moment. <laughs> How does comedian and play worker work in together? Well, I like to think of it like in the days I can entertain the kids and then in the evenings I can entertain the adults. So it's, it's quite fun. I do just get you, to have, have fun all day. Do you practice your material on the kids? No, that would probably get me fired. <laughs> um, I should mention up up top, because this is quite a treat for me. This is this here, Chris Rio, Musical Comedy Awards finalist. How did that feel? It was feel? a small competition. What's, I don't know. <laughs> a small competition? Oh, it was all right. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was quite a nice bus journey. It was all right. <laughs> <laughs> had the air con on that was good nice that was quite a treat for you it was yeah no megabus for me thanks oh national wow express did, did you no. not go up by megabus no it took the national express this oh, that, time. that's fancy that's proper fancy it is yeah it is <laughs> yeah. we had a toilet door that actually stayed closed wow okay so I've, I've invited you on today, Chris, because here we like to chat to people in the LGBT plus community to see how they feel about things and what their opinions are, if there's anything on their mind, that kind of thing. Do you want to tell me a little bit about, I would say, because I would say things about, there's the phrase catalyst, which is like um, the people who made you sort of come to any sort of realisation that maybe you weren't entirely heteronormative. Is, have you got any catalysts? Do you want to tell me a little bit about how finding out that you weren't straight or anything like that? Yeah. Uh, when I was in secondary school, a mate of mine had really nice nipples. <laughs> That's very specific. Yeah. They look good. <laughs> I mean, it was a bit problematic considering I had a girlfriend at the time. And Ouch. My super homophobic religious parents didn't. Weren't so pleased, but, you know, nice nipples, so every cloud. Did you tell them? Oh, uh, he's got nice nipples. Yes. Not in so many words. Specifically, did you go to your parents and say, there's a boy in my class and he's got very nice nipples? Yeah, I mean, I thought about it, you know, it it does make for good, like, dinner time conversation. Oh, (laughs) how was your day, Chris? (laughs) Well, (laughs) 
I really like James's nipples. His name wasn't James. I can't say his real name. Names names changed to protect the innocent. Yeah, too right. I mean, can't have everybody trying to look at his nipples. Well, this is it. This, this is your rare treat. I mean, my parents have before now. When I came to them, were just like. What my mother said, the thing I don't understand is how two women have sex. And I was like, that's what Google's for, my friend. <laughs> now, my mum was completely the opposite. Really? Yeah. So my mum told me that uh, if I was gay, I was just going to have lots of anal sex, get AIDS and die. Okay. All right. So I, I, think, I think you win. I'd rather have the, uh, the questions rather than the just... Let's just say I didn't have any intimate relationships for a while. Wow, dude. <laughs> so, several years of counselling later, here we are. Yeah. Do you, do you think, though, I think your parents, not, not specifically your parents, <laughs> our parents, just kind of, did it inhibit you? you know you? we're not related, Jen? I, no, are we not? And we look very no. alike, to be fair. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that like like did your for me it's certainly the case but did your parents have any impact on you either realizing yourself or you know coming to terms with anything oh yeah massive impact um yeah. well i did all the mental legwork of deciding and not deciding but figuring out for myself that i wasn't straight and then when i finally had that realization and enough courage and enough surety to actually go up to them and talk to them about it mm. and say oh I don't think I'm just into girls uh, my mum turned around and was like oh you don't know what you are and that set me right back and then I had a good four years of just going oh maybe I'm not so yeah how old were you at that point I think I came to the conclusion that I wasn't straight when I was like 14 mm. It, was, it wasn't until I was 18 that I properly came out because it was just four years of basically, you know, it's God, it's so, so cliche, but just four years of pray the gay away. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lots of fun. Never works though, that does it. What, talking to imaginary floaty people in the sky? <laughs> yeah, them. Occasionally. <laughs> Then you find out it's just some old guy with lots of helium balloons, but there we go. Has he got helium balloons? Well, he's got to stay up there somehow. Okay, so how do you feel about Pride? Pride is in the the festival. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, the, or the oh, okay. month, or the just, concept. Just the, just the word Pride. Uh, oh. Am I prideful? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I mean, you know, if you're asking, you know, am I pride of... I don't know. It's a big, it's a big word, isn't it? Like mm. it, it means so much. Um, I'm not a big fan of pride. Um, I mean, if you saw my ex, you'd understand. Really? Why? What was wrong with your ex? Just not very proud that he's my ex. <laughs> 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 Have you ever been? What, with my ex? To pride, with or without your ex? Yes. And how did you find it? Loud. Loud. Is that loud. why you didn't like it? Is it because it was too loud? <laughs> it was just, yeah, I just got overstimulated and cried. No, um, no, I don't. I don't mind the festival so much, but there's just a lot of unnecessary hype, and it's expensive. Like, I feel like if you're part of the community, you should get in for free. I, I haven't got fifteen pounds <laughs> spare. 
That's a lot of money. Yeah, we've we've touched on it before. The, this whole commercialization aspect of it is is concerns me. I think because, I mean, the first one that I went to, I didn't even have to admit that I was going to Pride because the Cardiff one is merged with the big weekend. So I was just like, oh yeah, I'm just off to the big weekend. It's definitely nothing to do with all the gay people that are there. I know, but it is. What 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 was it last year or the year before? Was it like fifteen pound to get in? I think it was, it must have been, because I remember thinking it was going to be a tenner, because it's two days as well, so it's a tenner per day, and I remember getting there thinking, oh my god, are you serious? How much money are you charging? So it must have been like 15 quid. I mean, when you think about it, you're paying that much to go into your own city where you live and be gay. (laughs) It's like, I do that every day. I don't normally have to pay for it. No. I think what I hated, though, is when you've paid your bloody 15 quid, when you go in, I mean, there are acts on the main stage and what have you. But, like, other than that, you're just walking around with people handing you leaflets and stickers. Yeah. Like, like, the actual physical pride in Cardiff is a bit... The parade's incredible. I'll say that, let's say that the parade's brilliant. But in terms of just going in and wandering out, it's like, why, what have I just paid 15 quid for? Mm. Have you seen any of yeah. the sort of, like, grassroots versions instead because there there are more of those than i realized in cardiff i don't think i have to be honest so there was one that they used to run called the big queer picnic which was oh yeah brilliant where they used to run it on sophia gardens literally all just people bringing their own stuff getting their own acts on everyone just doing it for free you can go in have a drink and meet some other people and i think that to me probably meant more of what pride probably should be than this here is a leaflet about our queer services like yeah Yeah. thanks i could have googled that but whatever (laughs) covid's obviously put a bit of a spanner in the works there but stuff will come back won't it maybe eventually one day slowly slowly it's coming back you must find comedy starting to come back a little bit i mean it was looking promising like london and bristol are doing all right mm. but now with a whole we're gonna wait another four weeks guys it's yeah yeah i mean it's okay i understand yes did you lose a big community when that all closed down overnight for the comedy thing oh absolutely yeah because i got into comedy through ultra so you you get like eight weeks of training and then they put you on as a group uh, in the glee club down the bay mm. and it was it was fantastic and, you know, we spent eight weeks together just writing comedy and practicing in front of each other. So we made some really strong bonds. And then afterwards, we went on to do open mics and loads of little gigs with each other. Then all of a sudden, it just stopped. And some of them I haven't seen since COVID was a thing. So, yeah, yeah. That, that hit quite hard. Have you found any way to get any sort of other community during lockdown? Or has it just been totally cut off? I mean, I'm I'm pretty close to a group of six-year-olds, but mainly because I work in a school. So, <laughs> and we've established you can't practice your material on them, so that's less no. ideal. No, I can't really send them home with like in balloon animal dildos. That'd be weird. <laughs> I mean, if it was what's my the, kid, I'd this? appreciate it. So you know, yeah. I think we might have to send like a letter out first, <laughs> at least. Because they do like a consent letter. Hmm. Uh, yeah, definitely. If it wasn't if it wasn't for my job, 
and you know being a key worker and just working throughout I, I would have gone stir crazy yeah I mean I've never been so glad to talk to a person even though he was five and wanted to talk about I don't know Pokemon or something it, it was great mm. I mean for me as I've, I've said all along that kind of that's how Twitch saved me because like my community was that stand-up community and then overnight it was just dead. Like no one knew what was going to happen. We didn't know if we'd ever see each other again. Mm-hmm. And then slowly but surely coming on Twitch and finding other people and particularly other queer people as well. Like I've met more queer people this year than I think I have done in the last like 30 years. Because it's just you kind of gravitate towards people, don't you? And it was mm-hmm. like the fact that those people were there. Absolutely. Because I would have gone bonkers. I had no outlet. My outlet was gone overnight. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. Totally understand. So how do you get involved in the LGBT plus community then? How do you feel about it? I like to wave at them as they go past. How, how do you know? How do you know who to wave at? They're usually quite brightly coloured. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in fairness. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to like generalise the stereotype, but... Um... <laughs> There was um, a guy at the last Pride that I was able to go to, thanks COVID, where literally it just made my heart sing because I walked through the gates and there was this guy who was dressed with a purple peacock tail made entirely out of balloons. And he was just like strutting around Pride as going, yeah, all right. (laughs) You are my people. So I would like to talk to you about bisexual erasure. Hmm. Because I presume you have some opinions on it. Do you think it's a thing? Do you think people are guilty of it? I do think it's a thing. Mm-hmm. And I'll hold my hands up and be like, in my life, I am probably the biggest, like the biggest culprit. Really? I regularly, yeah. I, I, I don't know why, but I always refer to myself as gay. Mm-hmm. I, for me, it's like I use that as an umbrella term. Um, I've never really been... It's always been a bit, oh, it's not really their business, you know? Yeah. And I don't, I know there's that, there's that, um, everybody's like, oh, just because he's in a relationship with a guy, it doesn't mean he's gay. Mm-hmm. But in my case, I'm the one going around telling everybody that I'm gay. So I essentially have to come out <laughs> as like liking women later on down the line. It's really funny. Yeah. I did it the other day in work. Um, one of the staff, I was talking about an ex-girlfriend and one of the staff was like, don't you mean boyfriend? <laughs> no. <laughs> because I've told her from the beginning that I'm gay. <laughs> this okay. is my own fault. So, you know, I- I'm like... Why do you do that? I don't know. I just prefer the term. Because I-, I did notice when we first met that you- a lot of your material, even though you told me you were bi, you went on stage and you were like talking about being gay. And I was like, oh, yeah, is he gay? I use- <laughs> for, me, it- for me, it's always been like more of an umbrella term. So I'll switch between gay and queer. Mm-hmm. And if somebody wants to know this, like, you know, if I'm telling a joke and it actually helps to say that I'm bi, then I'll make it explicit. But otherwise I'm kind of like, I don't really care. Mm. It's not your business. Yeah. Um, which is kind, you know, which is quite nice in one sense, but in the other, I'm just sort of shooting myself in the foot a little bit. Mm. How you shoot so, yourself so, in the foot? Oh, I don't know. Because I, I, it'd be really hypocritical of me to then go on about 
by erasure when I'm like going around <laughs> telling everybody I'm gay. When you're erasing <laughs> the bi's. I know, I'm, I'm like doing it myself. So to any bisexuals out there, I apologize. <laughs> I am not an appropriate spokesperson or mascot. <laughs> so Does it still annoy you though when you see it happen? Yes, it does. Um, of course it does. I mean, it annoys me when people think I'm straight, which is the worst. You know, I'll... I was on the phone to I was on the phone to talk talk and they were like trying to upsell me and I said oh, I just have to talk to my partner about it. This guy goes, "Oh, don't worry, you know I'm sure your wife will love it." <laughs> I'm like, okay, not only do am I in a relationship with a woman now, I'm also married. You're also married. That. That's really heteronormative. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> I know, and the only other people that do that to me are under the age of ten. Yeah, you know, and it's just kids. And they have just no concept of the fact that somebody might be in a relationship with somebody of the same gender. They just don't get it. But presumably that's a parents thing. Well, I think it's just an age thing. I think, you know, when you're like five years old, you're probably closer to a helicopter than you are a man or a woman. (laughs) (laughs) They just don't really care, (laughs) which is really nice and refreshing. It's a shame that we... Yeah. We stop being helicopters. We should go back to that. Mm. Did, did you play the talk talk person, the uh, the song about being a straight man? No, I, I probably should have. I'm a straight but, um, man. <laughs> yeah, I should have. I should have started rapping. Uh, no, uh, for, some, for some weird reason, I got very panicky and just went along with it. And was like, <gasps> oh, I'm sure she'll be home soon. So, yeah. Hold on. I've, so you've now got an imaginary wife. I've now got an imaginary wife, yeah. And you didn't invite me to the wedding. I'm outraged. Uh, I didn't <laughs> invite my boyfriend to the wedding, but there we go. I'm sure he'll understand. Yeah, totes. I mean, the kids, honestly, the kids in work have married me to every female member of staff that yeah. exists. Yeah. So I haven't quite told him that yet, but we'll get there. Okay. I think I've just always been really frustrated where, especially, I mean, for women, it's really bad, particularly if there are, because I've, I've got aunties and shit that literally moved in together, um, like in the sort of 50s and 60s. And everyone was just like, oh, well, you know, they just they just want to save on rent. They just want to save on bills. They wanted a bit of company. It was like, they are just clearly fucking, friends. I'm sorry, yeah. I've, I hate to break it to you, but they share a bed. Yeah. <laughs> having said that it does do wonders for like saving money on the heating bills yeah so does it though because if there's two of you surely you're spending more when i got divorced yeah, my bills have... cut in half you only have to heat one room though you can leave the other one cold <laughs> you only have to heat one room yeah <laughs> all right so how do you feel about the differences between bi and pansexual? Oh, oh. So, I mean, I think everybody's got their own their own interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it really hard because I've I toyed between the two, and you know, try. I spent years trying to work out: am I bi or am I pan? What's going on? Because um, growing up, I had. I was convinced that being bi just meant you're either attracted to men or women. Mm. Um, and that was it. So I was like, yeah, I'm bi. And then I heard about Pan and I was like, oh, 
okay, I get that. That makes sense. Uh, you know, it, it don't really factor in gender. It, you know, it's more person based, and that's yeah. how I've always felt. And I've been attracted to to trans friends of mine. So I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, I I've been attracted to people who don't who who don't consider themselves male or female. Yeah. So it's just. So then I went, maybe I'm Pam. And then later on, I, you know, I was reading into it and I'm going, you know, and people are going, oh, being bi doesn't mean just men or women. Yeah. You know, it encompasses several. So emotional minefield. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, I, I'm lazy. So I always identify as Pam, uh, as bi. I don't identify You're as lazy. Pam. See, I, don't, I am. I'm, I'm ridiculously lazy. And the one thing about that time in my life when I told everybody I was pan was I had to deal with the silly, you know, do you have sexual relationships with pots jokes? Yeah, I'd, obviously. I'd always have to be like, no, that's a coincidence. And <laughs> I just also happen to be. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's called a coincidence, darling. It's okay. <laughs> You always get asked, like, you know, oh, what does pan mean? What's this? What's that? And I thought that was this. And when you say bye, 99% of the chance people understand. And I'm yeah. like, yeah. And I don't, I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm always a bit like, pan, pan feels a bit like a little more showy-offy. You know? I'm <laughs> like, oh, I, I don't just drink tea. I drink Tetley's kind of vibe, you know? Right. I think uh, for me, it's like, because... I feel like bi has got so many variants of what it means to different people. So there are some people that think, right, no, it exclusively means men and women. And then there are some people that are like, uh, no, it can mean any gender. I'm just attracted to people, whatever. And I think it's very personal about what mm. it means to you particularly. I think the the version of Pan I quite liked was Joe Lysett said a thing about how like he might clock someone's elbow on the... Um, tube and go that's that's the best elbow I've ever seen I'm really attracted to that elbow and I think that's kind of what I identified with because it's not necessarily like even people that I'm attracted to it's it's like you and James's nipples you've spotted James and nip- James's nipples and gone those are some top-notch nipples I'm really into those nipples mm. um, yeah. so I think that's where I like it but the same as you if I'm asked directly by some normal cishet I will probably just say bye because it's so much easier because they know roughly what that means. They might not know the nuances of it. They might not know the mechanics of it. But they get the general gist, right? They're going to have a better understanding. Yeah. Because if I say pan, I'm then in for a 20-minute conversation about why it's different to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which isn't ideal, really. <laughs> no. Do you find... Do you, like, um, are you anybody's like soul contact... As like sole LGBT plus contact. So like people are asking you the question. Uh, nobody that's over 10 years old, no. Okay, all right. What did the 10-year-olds ask you? Oh, everything. Uh, and I've always been open, like every school I've ever worked in. I've never shied away. It's, it's annoyed some staff, but it always annoyed me because... They tell you, oh, you, the kids don't need to know about relationships. But then you've got, you know, and you've got hetero teachers just being like, oh, yeah, so my husband did this, my wife mm-hmm. did that. And it's like, well, why can't I say that? You know, yeah. 
my idiot boyfriend fell down the stairs. Yeah. The kids will think it's hilarious. <laughs> I want to share. So I've I've always been open with it, and I like that. I think the kids the kids respond really well to that. Um, it is funny. Uh, I had one girl shout at me, "You've got a boyfriend!" What? <laughs> <laughs> And it's more, it's more like intrigue and excitement than mm. it is just ridicule. And I think a lot of people sometimes get worried that somebody is going to make fun. And actually, kids, yeah. in all fairness to them, are some of the nicest, most understanding people on the planet. I think if I'm honest, I still fear like the adult reaction to stuff. So it's like, I mean, my family are notorious for going, oh, well, when so-and-so grows up, we'll show this photo to his girlfriends and this, that and the other. And you just feel like it's so heteronormative. You don't know what he's going to be when he grows up for a start anyway. Um, And then also it's like I'm really reluctant to say anything about being into women because, I mean, they knew that I was married to a man. I feel like I don't want to confuse them because like, I, I know my sister in particular is really open to that kind of stuff. She honestly doesn't care. But I, there's a part of me that I think is worried about reaction if at any point, like if I get a girlfriend next and then I bring them home, I'm just like, what am I going to say to my mm. nephews? <laughs> yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. So after how badly my parents reacted yeah. to coming out, yeah, yeah. I was absolutely bricking having to tell my grandparents because i thought oh my gosh my dad's parents are roman catholic yeah my mum reacted that way what's the what's an even older generation gonna say um but by this point i had been with my partner at the time for three years so i was like i I, i've got to say something and my parents refused to tell them they were like no we're not talking about it for three years we'd go visit them and they were like nope we're not talking about relationships. You're not allowed to mention it. Shit. So it was horrid. Um, and then eventually my grandmother did find out and she was furious. Not because I had a boyfriend, because she had to find out through my uncle's Facebook page. And I didn't tell her in person. Aww. She was so accepting, gave him a big hug, loved meeting him, introduced to all the family. And it was a wonderful experience. And I was just blown away. Mm. Uh, yeah, just but absolutely furious that she'd just seen a picture of us together on my uncle's Facebook <laughs> and I hadn't told her. <laughs> and I, oh, and what, what am I supposed to do? I can't say, oh, it's because your son wouldn't let yeah. me. Yeah. That's just going to cause rifts. So I'm stuck in this horrible situation of, okay, I'll take the blame. Wow, okay. dude. Yeah. It's, it's weird, actually, speaking to you. It makes me realise that nobody outside of my immediate family knows like friends, friends and shit do obviously, but I mean, in terms of my family, yeah, and including all the people that were at that fucking straight wedding, none, none of them know. None of them. I do. refuse. I refuse to be in that situation. I did it for so long, so many years, um, and I've got to a point where, when I when I started my relationship with my ex, it was a case of that we had to keep it secret, and his family couldn't know. And I'd, I'd told my family, I was like, well, I don't care anymore. You, you're going to know. Yeah. But it was just, it was a year and a half of just hiding everything. And I, ever since I've just said, no, nah, I'm never, ever going back to doing that again. Yeah. So everybody knows. And I don't care. <laughs> I think so. that's fair. That's totally fair. 
Like it's, it's almost like I don't even think there's a fear of it because like I, I can't be asked with the fucking questions. I know that much. Like I know for well if I go, oh by the way, I'm also into women now. It'd be like, when did this happen? It's like well always, but it's like I think if there is a girlfriend in the future, then I think that won't be an issue. Like I'll introduce her to anybody. I don't think that's I'm, mm. like from that. I hate that aspect of it when people feel too scared to introduce their partners yeah. to their family. I think that's the worst thing to put on somebody. But then equally, I've also said that I think there are certain partners, if I did bring home, I'm not convinced my family would be great to them. So there is an aspect of me going, well, I will happily take you home because I'm not embarrassed of that aspect of it. But if they're awful to you in any way, shape or form, we're fucking out of there. Because it's not that I'm embarrassed to you. I'm embarrassed to them. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I think it's awful. And it's, isn't it such a shame that families can put that kind of pressure on, you know, what would be a new relationship? No, oh, new relationships are stressful enough as it is. Mm-hmm. You don't need to worry about all that nonsense. It's, it's the kind of shit the straights haven't got to deal with, isn't it? You can just no, take your partner no. home. No problem. Don't worry about it. No yeah. one's got any questions. I mean, I had a... I had a mate once that was uh, that was worried about taking his girlfriend home because she was ginger. <laughs> oh my god! What and the he fuck? was worried. I know he was worried his dad would make fun of her, make like <gasps> ginger jokes. And I'm like, I'd kill for ginger jokes. <laughs> yeah. Please. Can parents not being awful to people's partners? Please, is that too much to ask? I think yeah. It's just surreal. Surreal. So wild. Um, would you like to tell me your queer media recommendations, please, Mr. Chris Rio? Me? Yeah. Yeah. No, me. I am. You should, oh, like, you. Come, we should come, watch you. Yeah, me. Come see some gigs, <laughs> please. <laughs> we need people. When, when are there gigs? <laughs> there aren't any, so I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I mean, this I is for the first hurdle, pal. I know, right? Go fix COVID and then... <laughs> then start a comedy night. Yeah, and then bring me on. <laughs> That's it. Uh, you also wanted to mention Bonding and Mika. I did, didn't I? Yes, yeah. you did. <laughs> yeah. Change my mind. No, let's just talk about Chris. <laughs> well, tell me about oh, Bonding, because I, I don't know enough about Bonding. Oh, it's, it's just a fantastic series on Netflix. Um, it's just about this very shy gay guy that gets roped into his best friend's dominatrix business. Roped in? See what you did there? Yeah, I did. Hey! Because I'm hilarious. Because he's a comedian. <laughs> yeah, I, that was a complete accident. I won't lie, but there we go. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but he's also a stand-up comedian himself. Is he? What's his name? I can't remember. Okay. So. The, the guy from Bonding is also still a comedian. The guy from Bonding. Uh, I didn't, yeah. What was his name? Kurt. No, it wasn't. It might have been Kurt. Kurt. Maybe Kurt. Kurt. Okay. Maybe. I think. I don't know. But yeah. So he, is um, he queer in real life as well then? Yes. Okay. Which was really <laughs> nice. I have, yeah. It's I don't like nice. watching shows. Yeah, I don't like watching shows with queer people who aren't queer. Yeah. Like the nice bit of representation. I remember no, I think it's just, it's not, no, I, I, I've got to be honest. It's not anything to do with representation. It's just like, well, there's no chance of me getting into that. <laughs> <now. laughs> 
<laughs> oh, it's for entirely selfish reasons. I like that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it is for most people, but I'm just being honest. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a really good thing is, um, oh, I'm going to say his name and it's not going to be his name, right? But I think it was Russell T. Davis who did It's a Sin. Does that sound yes. wrong to you? Thank you. Okay. No, that's right. That's so right. I saw an interview with Russell T. Davis where he talked about queer representation and hiring gay actors to play gay roles. And all these people were going, oh, my God, you can't say that. You can't take away roles from the straights, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, listen, if I've got a role for somebody and I'm going to see nine straight men and one gay man, right? The odds are already stacked against them. They're not going to be taking over all the roles. I just, I want to, I just want to give a gay man a role in my own production. Yeah. He said, "I'm not saying all of you now have to only give gay roles to gay people, but I'm just saying it would be nice." Yeah. <laughs> it just, it just, it does feel more genuine. Like, yeah. I watched like Love Victor, for example, <gasps> loved it, and then when I looked into it, and I think I'm right in saying that he isn't actually part of the LGBT community. Or at least he didn't identify at the time. Mm. I was like, oh. ah, it's just ruined. It's just another straight actor. What are you doing? <laughs> Love Victor was incredible, though. Did you get to episode eight where I cried like a baby? No. Oh. No, we gave up. You gave up? We gave up. <gasps> I, I didn't want to watch No Straight Boy. No, thanks. No, but in episode eight, right, they get to this point where, I mean, spoilers for Love, Victor, but it's been out for bloody ages now and you should be watching it. Um, but there's an episode where, because he's going back and forth with Simon and getting advice on how to come out and how to deal with stuff and all, all that kind of thing. And um, <clears throat> there's a point where he hits, he goes to go and visit Simon and he discovers that it isn't just Simon that's been giving him advice. It's Simon's entire household. So at the beginning, he's like, oh, my God, I'm so betrayed. You've been sharing my stuff with everybody. But he was like, listen, I didn't have all the knowledge to give you the advice you needed. But so-and-so's got religious parents or whatever it is. So he was able to tell you how to react to that situation. So-and-so had, had got experience in this aspect of it, so they knew how to explain to you that situation. So-and-so had had a girlfriend, so he knew what to say. And it was just like this really beautiful, like kind of a metaphor, I guess, for lack of a better word, about this whole how it takes an entire community of people to share all their knowledge and stuff and to give I mean, him the best advice. I don't know. Just you don't know? Like a really massive breach of data protection. But... <laughs> They haven't got GDPR in uh, America, I don't think, do they? Or do they? Maybe they I do. I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> <laughs> do we have to report a data breach? I think we might. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to also go on to, because it's come up, I think, a lot this week about Billie Eilish. So there's this whole thing about, uh, it's a real pet peeve of mine, that people try and guess other people's labels. So, like, with Billie Eilish, she, like, she's never really talked about what her label is at all. And she did a video where it's a bunch of girls all together, apparently having a sleepover and spraying whipped cream on each other. I haven't seen it. I don't know. But some of the straighties were like, oh, no, that's just girls having a sleepover. And I was like, what kind of fucking sleepover have you been to? And then there's the other no, I, ones going... I feel left out. I know, right? I never had cream at my sleepovers. Um... But, and there's other people going, oh, no, no, she's queer baiting because she's not gay. And I feel like, do you know that? 
You don't know. You've got no idea what her label is. She then did a post, which was just a picture of her and some women. And it was like, I like girls underneath it. And then you've got, again, you've got people judging her where you've got some people going, oh, she's just saying that to avoid the queer baiting thing. And then you've got other people going, oh, my God, it's her coming out post. And it's like, I just feel like, can we not let people just tell us when they want to and if they want to? Hmm. It's kind of their deal, right? It's not. I mean, be judging. it could be anything. Mm. I mean, when she wrote, I like girls, it could have been like a typo. It could have been an autocorrect. And she was actually saying, I like gills. She just really <laughs> likes fish. I mean, it, it, it could be anything. Who knows? I'm really into fish. She could, I mean, she, you know, we don't know. She might have like a massive aquarium at home. She might work in leeks or something. Or maybe she know. meant fishy drag queens. Maybe. She's really yeah, into fishy drag queens. Yeah. Or it could have been grills, probably grills. Maybe she just really likes barbecues. Who doesn't love a grill, right? Exactly. <laughs> I love grills. But it just feels so unnecessary. Yeah. It's like... That's why I'm by, because I love grills. Because you love grills. Mm. I love grills. Oh, my God, I was going to do the song, and I can't remember what the lyrics are, so I can't parody it. That's such a shame. Also, DMCA, so whatever. Um... I want to ask chat just before we carry on if there are any questions that you would like to ask Chris please pop them in the chat and I will pick them up and I love answering questions except for when it's my parents going please tell me everything you know about the LGBT plus community how many times have you had anal sex <laughs> do you have AIDS yet genuine <laughs> questions that Shut I have had really oh. from who from your parents my mum yeah there we go <sighs> is she not okay now with it Surely oh, she must oh, be. Yeah, disclaimer, totally fine now. But it took four years of me trying to persuade her, going through counselling and getting into a relationship <laughs> of, and then bringing this guy home and being, it's not a phase, mum, luck. <laughs> you look at him. I've got a t-shirt but, uh, on that says it's not a phase. I've got a boyfriend. Yeah. And what do you want? I, mean, I, did have, I did have a hoodie that I was really proud of that said, <laughs> I'm not gay, but my boyfriend is. <laughs> I was really happy with that. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought that was very accurate. There we go. Um, and the thing with my parents, it was so funny because I never, ever told them I think I might be gay because I always knew there was a part of me that was attracted to girls. Mm -hmm. So I, my mum was just on this, like, journey with me and it was hilarious because every time i'd be like oh i think i like guys this guy smells really nice i remember i actually wrote a note one of the lads in school was wearing i think it was diesel or something but it was the first time that i'd ever smelled it and honest to god i've never been more attracted to a smell in my life oh i just kept god. hugging it it was amazing it was yeah i went and bought a bottle <laughs> it was great so i'd actually written like i was keeping a journal at the time and i'd written in this journal about how, how nice this guy smelled. And my mum was like, oh no, because she found it and was like, oh God, he is, he is gay. And then the next day she found like some page three cutouts that I'd hidden under my bed. <laughs> so she was on this roller coaster of, he's gay, he's straight. Oh no, she's a nightmare. <laughs> That's her. And it was part of that though, that because she was trying to box you into one or the other. So probably that was messing with oh, her head she, a bit. She just really, wanted me to be straight yeah and even though i was adamant that i was like no i'm pretty sure i like both mm. and it was nah 
in her in her world it was either either i'm straight or i'm not yeah it's good or it's bad there's no black and white no in between i'm showing my age now and i'm like page three cutouts this is before internet on i phones. know because like what the <laughs> so, fuck's page no. three what is page oh yeah they don't do it anymore do they no in, oh, in the old day children they used the to be days. half naked ladies on page three of the sun which is a terrible newspaper anyway um, and they used to, I used to quite enjoy, used to have news in briefs. That's the bit I used because yeah. I used to laugh every time. Yes, it was brilliant. It was so good. Like, it was like, Sophia from Manchester thinks that we should leave, leave the European yeah. Union because it would be very good for Britain. <laughs> so, you know, after you're done whacking one out over this yeah. girl, you can, ha- you can find out her opinion. She but, has got yeah, a brain. Yeah. She just looks very good yeah. in underwear. They did. But there we go. They did look excellent. And, I mean, with hindsight, I also felt they looked good in underwear. I just didn't realise it. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm just like, oh, oh, yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, page three. Those were the days. Page it, it three might I mean, have been a catalyst. You know, rel- it wasn't that long ago, rel- relatively speaking, that they actually stopped it. I don't it, know. Dude. Less than a decade. It's less than a decade. You think a decade is not a long time, do you? Oh, it's not really. <laughs> I mean, put it put it this way. I mean, in, what, 70 years, we're going to be dead. Like, that's nothing. Look how much has changed in the last 20 years. Yeah. Look at the last year. I was going to say, look <laughs> how much has changed in the last year, dude. Yeah. It's mad. All so, this is fucking no. new to me. It's Twitch business. I'll, I go through my DVD collection and I find a film from 2003 and I'll go, oh, that's quite recent. <laughs> if there's a two before it, I'm like, yes, this came out yesterday. I always do that thing, though, where I basically lose a decade because I go from 1990. For some reason, it like skips. I, I completely forget the 2000s had its own decade. And then I'm just like, yeah. so 1990, to the 2010, 2020. Yeah, that's how, that's how time works. <laughs> ah, ah, absolutely. I know I started school in 2003. And after that, not a clue what was going Mainly depression. Mm. Uh, but there we go. Which is fair. Oh, good old times, yeah. So, it was also the year that Alien vs. Predator came out. The video game or the team or the film? Film, I'm pretty sure. Could be wrong. It's in my collection. <laughs> you used to play a lot of AVP too when I was in university, I know that much. Oh, Fucking LAN goodness. parties. Kids, we didn't games. used to have the internet to do it. We used to like connect via cable to each other. Yeah. That's it. Physically connect two together. <laughs> like, what's going on? Fucking it was like, you know, God, it was like like string and cap, wasn't it? Instead of walkie talkies. Yeah. <laughs> Madness. So talk to me about diversity in comedy then. Um, do you think that it's better than it used to be at all? I I don't know. Really? I'm like I'm so new to the comedy scene. You're not that um, new, dude. You can't count the last year because we were all crying, okay? <laughs> you can't. You so got like you 18 did... months out of it before that happened, though. You weren't like new-new. Uh, no. I was quite new. Not that was new. Like, I was a, less than a year into it. Less than a year. Honest. Okay. It feels like, yeah. Um, 
I, I've grown. I, you know, I'm quite lucky. So I grew up seeing um, some of my favorite comedians were part of the LGBT community. Simon Amstel, for example. Okay. Like he was, he was one of my heroes growing up. Uh, mainly because he was a sarcastic little shit and pissed everyone off. But, I mean, that was what I aspired to be. So <laughs> there we go. So I, for me, he was probably the first stand-up comedian that I got properly interested in. That sounds a little dodgy, but hey, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> really fancy Simon Amstel. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did meet him. And, you know, it was fun. You <laughs> hit it off. Uh, yeah. He did, yeah. Well, it was so funny because I was only eighteen at the time. Yeah, and he'd he'd we'd gone to see him live, and he'd done a whole set about um, being attracted to like really skinny, shy, nerdy guys. Oh, and I was like, "That's me, that's me." So we stalked him. We hid backstage and waited for him to come out of stage doors. And yeah, I had Simon Amstel like flirting with me. Like, <laughs> It's amazing. Still got the photo. Did you I'm not so act on it? Uh, I see. This is where I sound both like a guy with a really good moral compass and a slut at the same time because I'm oh. like, well, because I had literally just the week before got into my first relationship, so I was like, no, I'm just gonna be polite. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, but on hindsight, I should have, like, shagged his brains out. But there we go. It would have been a better story. Would have been a better story, yeah. I've, I've been told before that I should have a channel point redemption on Twitch for the, for the time I nearly had a thing with Dick and or Dom. It was, it was only one of them, but it's funnier when you say Dick and or Dom. It does, yeah. Should, should <laughs> quantify we were both single. But nothing happened because I was very, very shy and didn't know how to progress it. Anyway, <laughs> and they're both very happy now. Um, so, yeah, I think what I want to tackle on the diversity and comedy thing is, for me, I found that it's better than it used to be. So for women in particular, like I find if I go to stand up com comedy things now and it's just the same old cis straight white man comedy I am bored out of my skull because mm. they're all telling the same material. And I just, I, I mean, do you see any difference in audience reaction at all? Because like, I feel like I do, but. I think it depends where you go. Mm. So I did a set um, specifically about being in a relationship with a guy and just playing on how funny it was. And I sang a couple of songs and I did it around Cardiff and it got a really good response. Lots of laughs, lots of love, lots of positive feedback at the end. And it was really nice. Yeah. And then I got offered a gig. <laughs> oh, God. I got offered a gig in Somerset. Okay. So I, I went down to Somerset. I did exactly the same gig. And I just got just stares, just wow. awkward stares and a couple of like gaping mouths. I mean, I suppose it's my own fault, you know, because they were all middle-aged and very straight and conservative farmers. So, you know, <laughs> I think it's, it just depends where you go. Should have done um, your woman material that night instead. Should have. Yeah, I should have. 
And yeah, I, I think I finished that set by going, well, I think I've made everybody feel awkward enough. Goodbye. And, wow. and that was it. <laughs> and that was gone. Did, it did was... that at least get a laugh? I got a clap. But <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, let's not read into that one. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it really depends. And then other, other times, I think people just don't care. Yeah. Um, I don't want to fall in... Because it's funny you say about, you know, straight white men doing the same material or jokes about, like, girlfriends. Yeah. And I think there's a danger of of gay comedians falling into that same, you know, oh, I'm just going to make lots of gay jokes. I mean, it's the same issue that um, the television had for years where gay characters on TV were just the comic relief. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I don't want to fall in that trope of, oh, let's just make lots of gay jokes, but it's funny because a gay guy is saying it. So it's, I think it goes both ways, mm. to be honest. It's a really fair concern, I think. I mean, so but... I try, I, I try to avoid it as much as I can. I mean, nobody wants to be a cliche it's... anyway, do they? They always no, want exactly. to be reinventing their material regardless. Mm. But I recently got, um, I've always, I've always been like, oh, I'm I'm really confident in myself and I don't really care if somebody takes the piss out of me for being gay or being in a relationship with a guy. Mm. You know, I can deal with it. Um, but I've never thought about how I'd react if, like, I got roped in with, like, the general straight white man sort of role. And that happened to me. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was with the Musical Comedy Awards and this... Um, this journalist had written a review and he'd started the review by going, oh, Chris Rio was the first of a few white men with guitars. Wow. And I was like, that's, that's such a generalization. Holy shit. Because like, the others, they were all straight and they did sing songs about, um, about relationships with women. Mm. And I, just to be roped into that bracket, I never thought it would annoy me as much as it did. I mean, partly because I wasn't playing a guitar, I was playing a ukulele. <laughs> um, that was your first mistake. That was the first mistake. But I I couldn't have anticipated how annoyed I'd be at this man just putting me in this box. Mm. And it's weird because 10 years ago, if somebody had referred to me as just another white man with a guitar... Yeah. I would have been really happy. <laughs> I would have been like, yes, I passed. Hooray. So it was, it was really strange and it really bugged me. Yeah. And I tried to make light of it and I focused on the fact that he'd called a ukulele a guitar and I just played with that. Yeah. But and I, he didn't explicitly say that, um, you know, I was a straight man. Mm. But also he sort of, rushed over the fact that my entire set was about mental health and sexuality. Right. I even did a rap about it. <laughs> so and that, oh, the only mention I got was, oh, he, he, he sang a polite rap about being, uh, about pretending to be straight. And that was it. Yeah. I, I felt like the damage had been done in that opening line. And it's just, I'm devoid of, you know, of a character or a personality. It's just, the first of a few straight men. Sorry, the first of a few white men with guitars. Yeah. 
It feels like he's kind of deliberately glossed over the queer content there to make a point about you being another straight white man, but yeah, not being straight. So he couldn't do that. that. So we've just ignored that in the the bit yeah. that didn't tie in. We've ignored that. Yeah, and that annoyed me like a lot. Yeah, and surprisingly, I mean, I found that. Um, so when we did, so you think you're funny. That was over Zoom. What I found mm. fascinating about So You Think You're Funny is how diverse that lineup was. And I absolutely loved it. I think there was just, there was one guy right in the end that was doing the sort of entitled straight man content yeah. and, and running over, which is what they used to do in the real gigs anyway. They always used to run over and go, no, fuck yeah. your time. This is my time. Yeah. Um, I but, need to tell you about this other vagina. Yeah, I need yeah, to tell you about absolutely. this other manly thing I did. But it was like the entire lineup. I was just so thrilled by because it was like you had trans people there that were doing trans content. You had queer people there doing queer content. You had women, you had men, you had non-binary people. And I was just like, this to me, this is what comedy should be doing and it should be better. And the fact that that is on, you know, the biggest, let's face it, the biggest comedy competition in the UK, frankly. And the fact that that lineup looks like that, I thought that really kind of like filled my heart with joy a little bit, I think. Uh, don't you think it would be really funny, though, if they purposefully put all the queer acts on the same night? <laughs> yeah, that's the only ones that they have. They've yeah. run out now. <laughs> Every other single night, like all the other heats, they were just straight people, straight white men. Yeah, and, and they all did they the same went, content okay. as the guy at the yeah. end. Yeah, and they just went, all right, let's put all the queers in. And then they went, oh, no, we haven't got enough queers. Put this guy in. <laughs> we haven't um, got enough queers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Quick, really sub in a cis straight white man Let's go yeah. Well, you know, I wonder how they're going to judge it I wonder if they're going to actually look at the material Or if they're going to, like, have their quotas You know, we have to have a certain amount of men A certain amount of women, a certain amount of queers I and maybe not Maybe that's how the nights Maybe that's how the uh, the heats were arranged Maybe we were all just, like, fighting to the for the, to the death For this one place There is like, only no, one I'm, queer spot I'm the funniest gay <laughs> <laughs> i am the funniest gay you're funnier than me too so i'm gonna lose out there if that's the criteria humor is subjective so i am a woman though so i i tick two boxes yeah exactly so maybe yeah. maybe that's okay i mean for legal yeah. reasons we should probably clarify that i genuinely don't think so you think you're funny is going off quotas i don't know I hope I hope they are. <laughs> watch this space. I mean, let's just say that if the two of us don't get through, they're exceptionally homophobic. Uh, no. uh, <laughs> absolutely. 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 I agree. If neither of us get through, yeah. that's it. Like you've you've marked your cards. <laughs> Honestly, it was such a lovely competition though. Like like you said, the so special range man. of people was so cool. And and the the MC was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't just, oh, yeah, here's a joke about beer. It was great. It was I do quite like jokes about beer. Hey, look, you know, the odd joke about beer, no problem. It was just in amongst other more diverse stuff is nice instead of just all beer jokes and all women. Exactly. But it, it was genuinely really nice. I think I was surprised by the level of diversity that was on that lineup. And I thought, you know what, this is for me. Because I'd seen little sparks of, I think, before COVID happened, that there were, I mean, maybe, like you say, maybe it's just a location thing. 
But certainly where we were gigging, and for me that was mainly London and Cardiff, certainly I was seeing that aspect of people were bored of the sort of staid, mm. ah, booze and women material. Like people just seemed bored of it. And when someone came up and they were a bit different and they did come up and do some queer content or talk about something that was a little bit like about their life more than anything i found the whole like life story stuff has really become more of a thing people find it more relatable i think absolutely and i think it's it's straying away from sort of one-liners and puns and Mm. people are more interested in like the the person behind it yeah Lono says something quite interesting there. They, uh, they said, I love content from the disabled community, but also because I relate. And I think, yeah, absolutely. That's tied in with that where I've like, I've again, mm. I've seen disabled comics do content. Mm. And because it's so like, it's not what used to be the old guard of comedy, I guess is what I'm saying. It's so refreshing to hear people talk about their own lives and stuff. And I mean, you know, even if stuff that you can't relate to necessarily, Lono is for me, it's not something that I have personal experience in, but my God, do I love hearing people tell jokes about it. Because mm. it's, it's something special, I think. Mm. Um, I wanted to ask you about, because it's something that you'd kind of touched upon, I think, um, in terms of competition in the stand-up community. So was there a thing you were saying where, um, because there are other queer comics, you feel like you're competing with them? It does feel a bit like that. <laughs> um, it does. And I think it's, you You always have the worry of, um, are they going to do the same material but better? Uh, and I've had that. Uh, I've done I've done a song on the ukulele and then been followed by uh, a, a queer, another queer comedian doing very much the same themes much better just done <laughs> with really high production values and much slicker writing and you just go oh no <laughs> and i kind of I, I always worry that sometimes that you know by by focusing on the whole you know the queer side of it and this is what it's like growing up queer and that that you almost you almost restrict yourself to a certain category and i i don't I had, you know, it was really funny. I, I'd been gigging for a while and I had somebody come up to me at the end of a set and go, oh, you didn't talk about being gay. Is everything all right? Because <laughs> I'd done a whole set about working with kids instead of the fact that I was gay. Like, I didn't even mention it. Yeah. And this person was gen- genuinely concerned and they thought, you know, they thought there was somebody in the audience that I was worried about coming out <gasps> to or something. And I was like, no, no, there's just more to me than the fact that I, I have feelings for men. Like wow. there is, yeah, there is that. So, you know, it's, so for me, it's like, I want to avoid the competition. And I also want to avoid just getting boxed into, mm. you know. Well, it's also a bit like, like Joe Lysett used to do a lot of material about being bisexual and then pansexual in his career. And he's kind of tailed off from that now. And I think that's just because people now, now people know it. It's like a thing, right? We've, we've, because when you're a comic, there's so much of like, you have to stand up in front of people and make a comment on yourself because they don't know you. They don't know who you are or any of your background. So if you come up and make a joke about your appearance or whatever, then it's kind of like an icebreaker. It's like, hey, here is who I am. 
now we can all move on. So, I mean, maybe it's just a a career time thing for you in that people are still expecting it at the moment, but there will become a point where, like, they know it already, so they don't need to hear that again, I guess. They'll just assume it. Um, I want to make this... a confession to you, if that's we'll right. Go on. Um, you know, you said about being competition. The first night I saw you perform, right? I wasn't performing, but you were performing. I watched you perform and you got your bloody ukulele out and you made jokes about being pansexual straight up. And I went, fuck, this guy's got my fucking patter. <laughs> and you were you significantly funnier than me. So I was gutted. That's okay. Again, the whole funnier <laughs> thing is totally subjective. Like, that's there's no right. I think you're just putting yourself down for no reason. I love yourself, but it's that's what I'm talking about, you know. It's and, but I don't, I don't understand why we worry about that because, mm. like you said, you see the amount of straight men that go up and oh, God, tell yeah. stories about their girlfriends, and nobody gives a shit. That's a really I mean, good point. They are all taught, telling exactly the same all, material. Yeah, they're all doing the same thing. So why I worry about one mm. other gay comic on the bill? Yeah, like literally just one. I have never done a gig <laughs> with more than one other gay comic. Never. But I worry, and I'm like, oh no, we're telling similar jokes, mm. and it's like, yeah, but those two guys just followed each other doing exactly the same material. Like, I'm pretty sure they're sleeping with the same woman. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, it's that's a really, really insightful point about, because, like, I have done gigs with more queer people on the venue, but that's because it's been explicitly planned that way. Mm. You know, we've deliberately approached people. Um, but the idea that, yeah, the fact that if I, like, if I'm on a bill with you, there is an aspect of me going, oh, we've got very similar stuff. I better do something different. And that's nonsense because, like, your your viewpoint on something, even if we tell this about exactly the same experience, yeah. your viewpoint on it is going to be totally different to mine anyway. Absolutely. So the idea that we've, we've, we're on a bill with eight other cis straight white men all talking about boozing with their girlfriends and then you and me are just like, oh, yeah, but we, we've got stuff about the queer experience. Is that OK mm -hmm. if we both talk about that? It's fucking madness. <laughs> yeah. Genuinely hadn't considered it until today, but there we are. There we are. Glad, glad I could help you out there. Glad, glad you could help il illustrate more neuroses that I have. Cool. <laughs> yeah, anytime. <laughs> uh, um, do you think there is a role for allies at all? Do you see? That anything that they should be doing or what their role is are they helpful no no okay no. allies give up chris has said yeah, so just, no um i don't know i don't i don't see any need for allies whatsoever uh, really because if you're not yeah not even to but, tackle like the really homophobic knobheads and as like a go-between. Yeah, because I think if if you're an ally tackling them, you're just inadvertently giving them a voice. And it's like, no, we should just ignore them and let them die. <laughs> I mean, that's certainly an option. Yeah. Um, there's a question for drawing or drumming live. 
Um, it's a question for both of us. Have you ever had to change material because a comedian did something similar right before? I'd like to say that I... Um that I am that quick and I could just go, oh, I know, I'll just go off. No, um, a few times somebody's made a similar joke and I've gone on and I've been like, oh, now I'm going to tell that joke, but worse. Or something like, you know, here's Poundland's version. So I'll, I'll <laughs> usually stick to the same material, but play mine down a bit. Um, there have definitely been instances where I've scrapped or changed material because I haven't felt safe. Wow. Is, yeah. Well, I did. I did a gig in, um, it was in the valleys. Mm. It was, it was way in the valleys. And put it this way, like, I hadn't even mentioned the fact that I was queer. I'd simply said that I worked with kids and some guy in the back had screamed at me, you're a pedo, I bet you touched them. Uh, and I was like, ah, this isn't safe. That's <laughs> how that works. It this is not a safe gig. So I just spent the entire time just harassing this one man in the back and just jokey flirting with him. But I didn't, yeah. Like my material, I just didn't feel comfortable doing it. So, yeah, I guess that's one way of answering the question. Mm. (laughs) I think for me, the timings are so strict on stuff. So, like, if you're mm. a if you're a decent comic and you're not an entitled, say, straight white man who's decided, no, they can flash me six times to get off, and I'm going to carry on. That's that's just that's just an example I've picked plucked out of thin air. It didn't definitely didn't happen. Um, I think the timings are so strict that, like, I make sure that if I've got ten minutes, then I've got under ten minutes to go on with, so yeah. that it gives you space for interacting with the audience or what have you. Um, what I have done before now is if someone has told a similar joke, much like you, I think the best thing is just to go up and address it. So it's like, mm. I'll go, well, Steve said this about blah, blah, blah. And on that note, it's, I think as long as you can reference yeah. the other comments. Absolutely. Cause I actually, also- it's really nice because it, mm. it just re you know, it, it reinforces it. It works as a callback and exactly. You've, it just, you it gives you that sense of community and it's, it's a lovely feeling when somebody references one of your jokes. Oh, so yeah. It's really nice to be able to do that as well. And I think as long as you're not saying the joke word for word. Yeah, exactly. It's that thing again, I mean, isn't just, it, about people having different opinions on the same yeah. topic. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think if you acknowledge the fact that this is a similar joke. Yeah. Then it's fine. Um, I mean, if you've got other material... You know, hmm. I've had, I've got backup jokes yeah, um, or extra jokes, but a lot of the time I just think it's quite fun. And I think it's really nice to come on and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe he was talking about this because yeah. um, this happened to me. And it's, anything. I think it's, it's better. Uh, the only time that I felt like I should change it is in a competition. Yeah. Um, Especially if you can't reference other comics because certain competitions are like, no, you do the same seven minutes or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. And then, but then that's not a comedy show. You know, that is a competition and Mm. it's horrible. Um, (laughs) It is. Chris endorses Um, competitions. You've heard it here? I think. No, I don't. I don't. I, I try to. I'm trying to think of something positive about competitions and. 
you know, for the sake of the competition, it's brilliant, but it's not a mm. comedy night. It's not at all. And I think you, the audience feel that as well, because when it is a competition, it's just a game of which act can get the most audience in for themselves. And it's not people here to enjoy comedy. It's just people shouting for one guy. Yeah. So, so it's difficult. Um, and you just don't have that sense of, like, togetherness that you would, you know, from, like, five people just coming on with the sole purpose of making someone laugh. Yeah. Which is which is nice, which is why I enjoy comedy. But- I mean, there's a really valid point, I think, in terms of there's a valid comedy tactic, I guess is what you'd call it, in terms of referencing something that's there in the moment because it does bring that whole sense of like immediacy so that's why you frequently if you go to comedy nights you see someone will comment on oh look at this insane picture by here because it's like oh well you've clearly just made that up because you're here yeah and you're just telling us your opinion on something and you've jumped in and i think that's really lovely but that that is what comedy is yeah otherwise you may as well just record yourself and just play it on youtube put it on youtube be a youtube video But it's um it's interesting that obviously that can't happen in comedy competitions because it's a very very specific regimented thing. Yeah. Um, I was on Richard Gill's podcast yesterday and he asked me if I'd ever do any more competitions, and I found it really difficult to answer. Where I was just like, well, I think they've got their purpose, and I think especially if you're a new comic, it gives you something to write for, it gives you a reason to work out your material and all that kind of stuff. I don't know whether I do any more after this one. I think it depends on the competition. So Yeah. Um so for the musical comedy awards were completely different. Like you could change your set, you could do totally new material if you wanted to. It didn't mind you talking to the audience. Uh Yeah. So it was it was really nice. I mean, they were and I think the the pressure of the competition was for me anyway that was more internalized so i really struggled to get out of out of my head that it was a competition and i was mm. just focused on you know doing my best set and making it tidy and it just wasn't about having fun but at the end of the day if you're having fun it makes it a better set so it's just you know it just swings and roundabouts but with so you think you're funny even though you can only do it once if i was given the option of doing it again I'm with you. I wouldn't. Mm. Absolutely not. Just because they want you to do exactly the same material every time with little changes. And it's like, well, why don't I just submit a video and just play it (laughs) four times? I wonder if the the reason they do that is because obviously if you were a professional comic, then you would have a bank of material that you would go to regularly because that's just how it is you'd have stuff that you'd written and improved on and what have you i wonder if they make you do the same material to a see if you get any better delivering it as you go along because you're meant to be a new comic for this anyway um and b whether it's just like to get you into that training of frequently you're going to have to tell this material like you've never told it before Mm. and maybe they want to see if you're able to do that see i never thought about it like that Mm. um in my head i was always like Maybe they're worried that because everybody is really new to comedy, like you have to be within your first year to apply for it. Yep. Maybe they're just 
I just don't want somebody to do a really good set and then completely cock it up the next time. <laughs> See, it could happen. Yeah. Um, you know, or somebody might just go, I'm not going to write anything. You know, I'm just going to wing it mm. five times. So I guess you are ruling that out. Yeah. And it is giving, you know, it is giving sort of a safety net, I suppose. But it's giving you that kind of um, discipline almost as well, where it's like, instead of, if you're a really good improver, you could just go up and say whatever you wanted every time. Yeah. Whereas this way you physically have to have written something. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's really good at, at like, looking at your your skills as a comedian. Mm. But at the same time, it doesn't feel like I'm being a stand-up comedian. <laughs> it feels it feels more like that, you know, I'm being you know, a YouTuber or a writer, you know, which is But is that is just because it was on Zoom, though? Would it have felt different if it had been live? I don't know. I, I'd be really interested to know how, you know, how strict they are about, like, not, you know, not interacting with the audience and... But, you know, would they mark it down if somebody said something and you responded? Maybe. You know? But surely no. They've said, they've the said this not what they're looking for, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, they did put in bold, you know, just don't use your time just talking yeah. to the audience. Yeah. But then if somebody heckles you and you don't respond, that's you're not a very good comedian. It depends, though, doesn't it? Because I found with some hecklers... If they're just being low-level disruptive, if you ignore them the first time, they tend to just shut up anyway. Yeah. And then if they keep going, then absolutely address it. Yeah. But sometimes somebody will shout something absolutely amazing. Yeah. And you just have to riff off it. And I mean, I'd hate to think that you'd be penalised. But I presume hecklers would be a different ballgame, surely, because you have to address a heckler. We'll never know. I'll never know. Well, you might know if I'll you get to the know. final <laughs> and there's a heckler. But then, yeah, by that point, it's too late because, you know, <laughs> but you just have to, like, plant a heckler if somebody heckles and you respond. You know, for every other heat after that, you've got to plant a heckler and get them to shout exactly the same thing. I mean, you would help hope that if it's the finals of So You Think You're Funny, again, biggest competing competition in the UK, it's like... You'd hope that people would be on their best behaviour, wouldn't they, if they're at the Edinburgh Fringe? I don't know. <laughs> I, some of my some of my biggest laughs have come from dealing with hecklers. So I'm I'm all for. I hate comedians and MCs that say don't heckle. Mm. They're normally doing think... that for the newbies, though, aren't they? Because it is scary to yeah. remember stuff and. I absolutely, but at the same time, I think rather than saying don't heckle, I think what you've got to be saying is just don't be rude. Mm. But, yeah, and exactly. If, and if the comedian decides not to interact with you, then let it go. Yeah. But I think sometimes you can have a lot of fun with the audience. I've been in an audience where uh, they've been told don't say anything. It just <laughs> please yeah. say something we've come for validation i know um you've been asked a follow-up question which is oh, what's the greatest it. heckle you've suffered greatest oh, is in air <laughs> yeah um 
Oh, wow. So, I, it's got to be, I think it's got to be the guy just shouting at me that I was a pedo when I touched kids because it was way too much fun. And I managed to turn around and say to this man, look, I don't abuse kids, but if you don't sit down, I'll abuse you. And it was really fun. I mean, and that looks... a massive round of applause. It was, <laughs> it was great. This was some, like, butch rugby guy from the valleys. It was hilarious. And it was this little nerdy camp guy telling him to sit down. It was yeah. brilliant. <laughs> um, I did have... Oh, actually, one of my favourites was uh, I did a gig in Swansea. And I was following um, a straight white comedian who had had one too many drinks. And this was a show with kids in. And his second word was the C word. Right. And I've, I've, I've got nothing wrong with comedians swearing. I swear in my sets all the time. But yeah. I think it has to be, you know, it has to make sense. It has to fit. Like you can't just go on and be like, oh, you're a bunch of... Uh, it just doesn't work. Was it like an actual kids comedy night? No, but oh, it was okay. open to families. Oh, it was, uh, I think it was like a charity fundraiser or something. Mm. And... He was stood, literally stood over a table with kids on. And then he's gone. You know, the sea slur is out there. So it's like, hmm, okay. And then I come on after him. And I'm, all I could say was, oh, okay. <laughs> this is like going from watching WWE to CBeebies. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> what, is, what is going on? Um, Amazing. And I'd had, and this woman had been like, uh, oh, I don't know. She chatted something about like, I love anal sex or something. And it was hilarious because then I could be like, nope, we're back into the adult section. <laughs> so it's just really <laughs> fun. And she just kept shouting like really inappropriate things. So I got to just respond in my like typical CBBC presenter yeah. style. It was, it you was really You do read fun. like BBC Kids Presenter. Yeah, I get that all the time. Like, I get people like, oh, why aren't you on CBeebies? My kids would love you. And I'm like, yes, here's next up, you know, following Mr. Tumble, it's Chris with his balloon animal dildo. His inflatable <laughs> penis. It's, it'll be amazing. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I just get abuse more than anything. I'm waiting for the really clever heckles. But yeah. They're not, they're not, if they were that not... clever, mate, they'd be doing the stand up. They wouldn't be heckling. Mm. Yeah, real I mean, stand-ups don't I heckle. Get, I get I get brilliant heckles from the kids I work with. Yeah, uh, I won't lie; they are incredible. Uh, like this one kid, uh, yeah, <laughs> he's six, and he goes, "Your name's not Christopher; it's Christopher." And I was like, <laughs> "I can't, I can't tell you off." I was it's like, inventive. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> well done. <laughs> See that that's actual joke theory has gone on there to actually come up with a pun, yeah. so you can't argue with it. No, oh, I know. So, yeah, uh, I am gutted that the audiences cannot top six-year-olds, but there we go. And as I say, if they could, they'd be on stage. But you know, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, you've already mentioned him, but would you like to tell me your sleigh of the day, please, Chris? Oh, you're going to have to refresh me as to what a sleigh of the day is, because in my head, that's just oh, the kid that's annoyed me. The with this. 
Now, you I have to understand, right, Chris doesn't watch Drag Race, so he doesn't understand some of the Drag Race lingo. I'm a bad queer. Like, you really are a bad, bad queer. queer. So, like... I am. I, I don't want to put into yourself hating. Yeah, but when you say slayings, I'm convinced that you're just talking about murdering people. No, and I'm like, well, no. Bleden was really annoying in school today. So yeah. I, I, I'd like to kill him. We don't want to kill but... any of the gays, to clarify. Or the right? children. Oh, and no, children. None, no children, no infanticide. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it is if you're if you're slaying, right? It's like you're doing really, really well. You're doing something amazing because you're doing the killing. You're killing. That's why it's slaying. So it's a good thing. Game. No, no. You're I not being killed. You're doing killing the killing. Is bad. Yeah, but it's like oh. yeah, that's still bad. But you never oh. say like, "Oh, you kill me," or whatever. Like it's a good thing. If you made me oh. laugh and I went, oh my God, you kill me, Chris, would you go, oh my God, that's awful. How, how, how dare I, you? I spent a good four years wanting to kill myself, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll turn it on its head. Now you're doing the killing and it's a good thing. Well, I, I think it's more of a good thing that I didn't do the killing and I'm still here. Like, that's, that's quite good. Yeah, For the love of no. God, just tell me why you love Simon Amstel. He's cute. He's cute. Yeah. But how is but he like? How is he your is queer icon? The then is the is the question. I think because up until I saw Simon Amstel, like I first saw Simon Amstel on Nevermind the Buzzcocks, mm. and I like when I first started watching it, I had no idea that he was gay. I yeah. So when when he mentioned it, and when I started seeing his stand up. It was it was a light bulb moment because for me, uh, all the male comedians I'd seen had been, you know, Lee Evans, Michael McIntyre, really talented, really. F I love them both. I think they're incredible. Yeah. But, you know, very sort of out there, big personalities. Um, uh, I almost said Bill Murray, but no, that Al Murray, the, you know, the pub landlord. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Murray's also a comic, it's fine. I do, I do love Bill Murray, but you know, it was all all the male comedians that I knew of. They were quite, quite confident and very strong-willed, uh, big personalities. And I'm like, yeah. that's not me. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very shy. I'm quite introverted. Uh, you know, I'm. People keep telling me that I'm geeky and nerdy, but I, I never once call myself geeky or nerdy in any of my sets. Yeah, there we go. So they're just stereotyping because I wear glasses, but that's okay. It's <laughs> fine. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not a nerd. I'm not particularly clever. I'm just slightly blind. So, <laughs> <laughs> come on, guys. So for me, Simon Amstel, not only was he like, um, you know, he was a male role model, and he was hilarious. Mm. He was thin. He was nerdy. He was awkward. He didn't know how to talk to people, and he used it like in such yeah. an amazing way and i thought oh my gosh yes and then to find out that he was gay as well yeah and again it, he growing up uh gay was you know very twinky was very attractive you know all the all the gay guys i knew from school they were into like you know they'd wear like they'd like makeup and they'd always look incredible and <laughs> 
is that phrase on fleek is that a thing i don't know i think so but then i'm I think very old so it might have fallen I'm out of favor with you yeah it probably has sorry apparently uh, <laughs> some kids said that they're not using poggers anymore either because of what happened with the fella i don't know what that is no so it was very much a stream thing we used to say pog if something was good and it was from this pog face thing which is a guy who's got like a shock face he's like oh like that um, i thought pogs it, were just something that kids collect. well yeah I, i'm amazed you know what they are because um, i've got a good decade on you and i think i was a teenager when pogs were around um but yeah he got basically got cancelled for being right wing and crazy oh. and apparently when someone said to their kid literally the other week pog and they went oh we don't say that anymore <laughs> it's like fucking love kids kids are Ouch. awesome because they were like oh no he's been cancelled we don't say that anymore I'm like I, I still say it, but wow. clearly I'm not as uh, enlightened as children. No, no, I don't think we ever will be. They're going to save us all, man. All of them. No, I think they're just going to make things worse, but they'll do it in a fun <laughs> way. So it's okay. It's all that matters. But they will all be themselves while they do it. So it'll probably be all right. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Uh, but yeah, so, Simon, I'm still okay. legend. Uh, he's, he's definitely my... Slay of the, of the day. day. There we go. There we go. Yeah. I mean, it's going to sound insane because it's not quite for the same reasons, but genuinely, that's why I love Greg Davis because I know that that is a that's the epitome of middle aged white cis straight dude. But because he used to go up and tell stories about his life and about how chaotic his life was and all the shit he used to get himself into, I'd watch that and go, oh. Oh, I can just go up and tell stories about me being a fucking moron. And it turns out mm. that's funny. So he, like, he's the entire reason that I got into stand-up in the first place. Yeah. No, I totally get that. And like, uh, he and doesn't love... represent me in any way other than he goes up and tells dumb stories about his life. Hmm. But it's, it's not the, like, the generic, it's like you said, it's not that generic material that you expect. Yeah. Um, and I love... I love his material about, you know, his time working in a school and his yeah. interaction with the kids. Yeah, yeah. That was a massive influence for me because I was like, oh, my gosh, people actually want to hear this. And the time such... he locked Karen in the stationery cupboard. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's so relatable because everybody, whether you like kids or not, yeah. knows what you're talking about. And, it, and it's great. And I, I don't think kids get enough credit because they are just fantastic. Uh, yeah. The fantastic source of comedy, and yeah, he always Bless like them. he tells those stories with a certain affection as well. Like, yeah. like if you listen to him talk about his time not on stand up, he sounds like he did have a bad time towards the end, especially where he's just depressed and wanted to get out. But he talks about those kids with such affection. You just yeah. think, Do you know what, it comes across as being really like relatable and nice. Yeah, absolutely. So if somebody wanted to find you, Chris, and your material or anything, I wanted to see more of you, but, you know, in a well, safer work way or not safer work, and depending on your perception, I guess, where would they go so to find you? So my postcode, what, like my postcode? <laughs> Please don't dox yourself. We are live on stream. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I'm moving soon anyway. You'll never find me. <laughs> I keep saying that. It's like, I'm going to move, so I don't give a shit. Hmm. Where can they I'm find you, Chris? You dress for people I don't like. Um, <laughs> oh man, see, this is this is where you make me feel really old because I'm like, I've got an email address. <laughs> so... Do you want people to email you? That'd be lovely, actually. Okay, give us an email oh, address. 
Oh, that would be so sweet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if people could email me, I'd love it. So it's, <laughs> it's soundofchris at gmail.com. So I, if you want to email me, go for it. That would be amazing. We could have like pen pals, soundofchris at gmail.com. Yeah, do that. Uh, I'm I also hope, on Facebook. I hope you're not attached to that email address because when this goes out, who knows how many. <laughs> oh my God, I can't wait to respond to all of them. I'm going to put that it, I'll amazing. put it in the podcast details box as well, just so people are oh, sure. Do it. I'd love to see what emails Chris, get, Chris has asked uh, that you email like him. Day. Yeah. Chris is really lonely. <laughs> he would like some emails. But you also have moment, Facebook, you say? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, if you... So if you look up Chris Rio comedy or just Chris Rio, you're either going to find me or the winner of The Voice Nigeria 2017, <laughs> who also shares my name. I think it's quite obvious which one is which. <laughs> He's really talented. <laughs> so, and I'm here just like, hi. Hi. Honestly, I genuinely thought, because I've always been told like, oh yeah, Chris Rio, that's such a cool name. You're a celebrity mm. name. So when you Google Chris Rio, it comes up as uh, the winner of The Voice Nigeria 2017. Yeah. I mean, I'm gutted. It's worse things to be associated with. No, no. Yeah, I'm just jealous that, you know, he, I will never be the most famous Chris Rio. Mm. <laughs> so there we go. Oh, I went, I, you know, when you do that thing and you Google your name to see if there's other people that are more famous, that I say more famous, uh, that are famous, that have got your name. I came across, I think there was a woman who's an artist who does stuff that is fine. Um, and also there was somebody who was like a dominatrix, I think. And I was like, oh, well, you're living a much more oh. exciting life than I am. <laughs> Well, that's amazing. Yeah. Facebook. Email and Facebook. Email and Facebook. Mostly email. Mostly email. Mostly email. I'm so oh my gosh, I hope I get an email. This, this <laughs> is the so weirdest like promotion thing that's ever happened. Everyone's just like, yeah, I've got, here's my website, here's my Twitter, here's what, it, please email know, right? me is a new one. Oh my God. I knew letting oh the gosh. comics on was a mistake. <laughs> I think that would be amazing. I will have... A lovely chat. I'm a lovely comic. I'm not one of those that, like is going to put you down. We'll have a lovely chin wag. Unless they be... accuse you of being a white man with a guitar. Don't do that. Then, then the it might turn. No. Might take a turn. Yeah, that won't go well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go, is there anything last that you'd like to promote? Anything upcoming? Anything you're doing? Just chilling out in your house. Just chilling out, yeah. Uh, why? You can guarantee I'll be regularly checking my emails. So, yeah. uh, but like you, I'm hoping to make it through to the next round of So You Think You're Funny. Yeah. Um, uh, and also, I'm probably going to be checking my name out for any gigs whatsoever in <gasps> Cardiff. So if you happen to be in Cardiff and there's a comedy night coming on, <laughs> go see it. You might see me. You might see a um, hundred other more talented comedians. You'll win either way. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> and if you are a gig promoter, please email Sound of Chris. Yeah, Sound of Chris at gmail.com. Yeah, do that. <laughs> they all fantastic. use Facebook. We all know this. Yeah, I know. It's so the only reason I still have a Facebook is from the old days when that was how I used to arrange gigs. <laughs> Genuinely, though, I would promote comedy. Like, I don't, wherever you are go and go out and see some live comedy because yeah. we need you and zoom doesn't work zoom mm. is terrible like i'm sorry zoom but it's just not built for comedy 
I, I would like say audience. if some of you had gone to bloody Discord, it would have been slightly better, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, but still. Zoom sucks. Not the same. Zoom does suck, yeah. And the audio compression is just the fucking worst. Yeah, let's not. Let's not talk about that. Yeah. That, that sponsorship with Zoom's just fallen through the floor, isn't it? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me today, Chris Rio. It was lovely to speak to you about some things. Thank you for having me. And thank you. Been great. Yeah, I'll see you again very, very soon. Amazing. Bye. Bye. So there you have it, straight from the comedian's mouth. Chris Rio would like you to email him at soundofchris at gmail.com. Feel free. I'm sure he will update me if you do. Uh, you can also get him in a slightly more normal way on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash chinsrio. Which is not something you would have fallen across, because it's very much an in-joke. In just, it's just the kind of guy he is. He's, uh, he's very, very funny, very, very nice man. And please book him for gigs, now that things are opening up again, I guess. At least for now. But that's a whole other bin fire. Have a great week. Uh, we're recording two of these over on twitch.tv slash Master this week. Um, I, it's just happened that way because of the special guest... And I like stress, so... But it does make up for that week I was too sick to record one, so... You know, genegademaster.com for all your genegademaster needs. Don't know what I mean by that, but... It's mainly just playing video games and titting about laughing, but, um, you know... No kink-shaming here. Have a lovely week. I will see you next Monday. Bye! 